start a short series on relationships. Do you know the economy of the kingdom is built on relationships? So there is a great commandment. What is the great commandment? Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and with all your heart. And then there's a second commandment, and we're going to focus on that. It says it best in the old King James. It says, love thy neighbor as thyself. So let's go to Matthew 22, 34 to 40. And we're going to read what Jesus says. So, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. So, Sadducees, they were sect within the Jewish um, nation and the Pharisees also. So, the Sadducees had their chance, but they were silenced by Jesus. Jesus silenced many. He was hardcore. He was so good at giving a, a good answer. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And then Jesus simply replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. So this is the greatest commandment. A commandment means that you need to obey it. If God says, I command you, it, ne- it means you need to obey this. So this is the most important thing in Christianity is to love God. Before you love your wife, before you love your motorbike, before you love your bicycle or the money that that you're making, you need to love God. That's why tomorrow evening, 6.30, we come together and we've, we've done this now for a couple of months and we just come together to love Jesus. You're welcome to join, but it's only gonna be about Jesus, not about anything else, not your issues with your mom or your grandfather, it's about Jesus. might happen that God sort out your issues with your grandmother just in that moment, but the focus is Jesus. So the most important thing is to love Jesus and to love God. And then Jesus says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus is saying, listen here, You know the Old Testament. You know the law and the prophets. And this is the summary of all of that. Love God, love your neighbor. And again, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. You cannot be a Christian and not love God. We know that one. And in a way, that's the easier one. Because God is perfect. It's easier to love God. God, because he's perfect, but it's really difficult to love people. You guys are difficult customers sometimes. There we go, Keith. Keith, and you're always easy. You're never difficult. (laughs) So we need to love the neighbor. That means everybody, you are commanded to love. If you cannot love people, you cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ. I love the definition of of John Vanier. He was a Catholic. He messed up later in his life, but he still had this great quote. He said, love is to reveal the beauty and the value to people so that they can see it themselves. 
So you spend time with somebody and your greatest desire is for that person to realize the beauty and the value that God placed on them and in them. So we need to engage with people. We are commanded to do that. We cannot become a recluse just all on our own, isolated, and not having anything to do with the messy people around us. God called us to the highways and the byways, to the bikers and to the not-so-good bikers, and, and to the arrogant religious people, and to the Satanists, and to the people that are poor, and to the rich, to Fancourt, Temale, to Bergsig Hukval, all of you, we, God called us. Mozambique, the team just arrived back from Mozambique. God called us to people. We need to love thy neighbor. It's so important. And it's a commandment. And Jesus says, this is what I want you to obey. So let's look at the standard of love. What is the standard of love? Because we will find many definitions of love in the world. Everybody wants to be loved. Many of you that are under 30, you want to find a spouse. You want to find a partner that you can marry, that you can have sex with, that you can have kids with, that you can do life with. That is true. I said the word sex. In church, can you believe it? But some of you are so looking forward to that little piece of the puzzle, of the marriage puzzle, that you forget what it's all about. It's just all included within this command to love people. Yes, I love my wife with good sex. I do. But that's such a small piece of the puzzle of loving my wife, loving my children, and building God's kingdom that's built on the economy of love, the economy of relationships. Am I too straightforward? We have... We have, we have bikers in the house, so I need to be straightforward. So this is a scripture that God gave me a couple of years ago, and I, I struggled with difficult people. I, I wanted to understand how God feels about people, the value that He places on people. Matthew 5, 21, You have heard that it was said to the, to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. You know, murder is wrong. Morning services, I said murder is wrong, and people are like, uh. you know, it's wrong. You're not allowed to kill your wife or your girlfriend. It's 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 wrong. We all know that. It's, it, it's wrong. The Old Testament says this. So Jesus saying, "Hey, you've heard it said. This is now the Old Testament. This was the law. You're not allowed to murder anybody." But now in the New Testament, which is the dispensation of grace, Jesus is going is to up the standard. He's going to give us a new law. And this is what he's saying. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So Jesus is saying, in the Old Testament, you're not allowed to kill. In the New Testament, just being angry with somebody is like killing somebody. That's what he's saying. And often what we think when we read the Old Testament, like, wow, the Old Testament is hectic. Man, it's, it's hectic. You commit adultery, you're stoned, you're dead. The New T Testament, at least there's some grace. 
But Jesus saying, listen, you know, that was old covenant, new covenant. I'm going to up the standard. And the reason why he could do this to our, to, to mere human beings to give us a higher standard is because he's also going to equip us with the Holy Spirit. He's going to equip us with grace. He's going to give us the ability to live at this standard. So if you're only angry with your brother, then you're already subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sisters, Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you're fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. This is the value that God places on people. God's saying, hey, if you look at that person, that person I created, and you entertain anger towards that person. Anger, a fruit of anger is also bitterness. Or you in a perpetual offense towards that person. You are murdering that person and I am going to judge you. You are liable, subject to judgment. It's quite a harsh word. It's the new standard of the new covenant. Because what is he? He introducing, he's saying, I'm bringing the ministry of reconciliation. I'm going to reconcile you to me. In other words, you're going to be, become part of my family, and I'm going to give you lots of brothers and sisters, and I want you to get along with your brothers and sisters. So you will have the grace to not even be angry for a long period of time, or to, for, you, will not be, you will have the grace to not entertain anger. To, in other words, to release the anger and the bitterness that you feel towards people. The Bible is also very clear. You're allowed to be angry, but do not sin. If you entertain anger, it goes into bitterness and offense. And then you're just hurting yourself, and then you're subject to judgment. Some of you are suffering in your life because you are entertaining anger towards a person. And God's saying, hey, that is your brother and that is your sister. I've reconciled you to me and I've reconciled that person to me. Or actually, I'm waiting for that person still to get saved, but you need to treat that person as if he is your brother or your sister. And if you devalue them, you're actually devaluing me. You're dishonoring me. If there's a painting, a beautiful painting there, and you go like, wow, that's horrible. Look at the colors. It doesn't work. It doesn't, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense what's happening there. Come on, the guy's nose is too big and the ears are too small. It's, it's horrible. Who are you offending? Are you offending only the painting or the painter? The artist. And some of you keep on doing that. You are sinning against love all the time. You get angry at the people that God created, and you entertain that anger. If somebody does something that's wrong, you need to get angry, but not at the person, at the sin. And we need to trust the Lord for that discernment, for the ability to look at somebody and to hate the sin, because that actually just destroys their life destroys the life of the lives of the people around them and therefore we get angry at that but not at them because we don't want to be subject to judgment 
And if God judges, he is a righteous judge. So that's the standard of love. And then 1 John 4, 20, it says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So if you say you love God, you need to love people. And often, it's very difficult. It's extremely difficult. But that is your, your horizontal love is actually a window into your relationship with God. I've been privileged to be around proper Christian people in my life, in my family, in ministry. And what they do so well, all of them, is they love God with everything. You can hear it in the way that they talk. You can see it in their eyes. But mostly you can see it in the way that they interact with other people. There's a love that's definitely not, it's not mere human love. So God's saying, hey, come higher, come receive from me so that you can be obedient to this great commandment of loving people. By the way, this is the greatest evangelism tool. Is to love people, to walk into somebody's life and you know all their wrongs and you love them in such a way that they just experience, wow, in that person's presence, I feel more beautiful. In that person's presence, I feel valued. In that person's presence, I feel the higher power, if they're not saved, the higher power's presence and love and kindness and mercy. And then they will come, they will ask that question, where do you come from? Where do you get this? We had a friend that became very close to us as a family, and her mother also started getting into our home, and she's, she would tell us, there are only two good marriages that she knows of. And when she... When she is in the presence of those couples, there's something beautiful that happens. And she couldn't figure out how it works and, and how people get it right. And then when they started walking a road with us, they realized, but it's because of the love that these people have for Christ. And therefore, they can reveal the love to other people. So we are commanded to love God. It's actually, it's kind of a weird thing. God's saying, hey, I command you to love me. But if God says something like that, it's not because he's egoistic or needs our worship, it's because he knows it's best for us. And if we love him, then we're fulfilling our purpose. And if we love other people, we are living out our purpose. Some of you are so caught up in, hey, I need to go to that country. I need to be in that business. I need to make that amount of money. And God says, here is your purpose. The greatest commandment 
Love God, love God, love me, love me, love me. And then you just love other people. And as you're doing that, God's going to send you to this geographical location, and then He's going to send you to that geographical location. Because you know what? The greatest need in people's lives is not money. It's not better AI. But by the way, I'm so excited about, by, about AI because it's just gonna, it's gonna emphasize our need for love. So excited. Because everybody's gonna go like, AI, let's, let's do it. Chat, GPT, how can I receive more love? They're not gonna find it. And then they're gonna meet Jesus and they're gonna go like, wow, these are useful tools, but there's only one that can give me my identity. There's only one that can fill this void in me. God's saying, hey, I command you to love. Now I'm going to give you five principles for great relationships. And then I'm going to sort of transition from relationships, normal relationships, into romantic relationships, because I know a lot of you want to hear about that. We're going to call up a few people, and they're going to give you some advice. Okay, so those people who I, who I told five minutes before the service, be ready. Okay, number one, the overflowing principle. Be filled with, the love, with love from God, and love will be easy, even in difficult circumstances. So again, love God, and when you love God, He's loving you back. The love that you have and the love that you want to give comes from God. So you need to have a relationship with Him. And then love will become easy. You know those moments that you get a fright? Somebody's hiding behind the door and they're like, boo! And then, I know it doesn't happen to people in this church, but then a swear word comes out. Who of you know people like that? Okay, we know people like that. I have a friend that that happens to. So where does that come from? It, it comes from your innermost being, and you need to check that, by the way. Check it. Where does it come from? Just ask the Lord. Where does it come from? Does it come from Jesus, or does it come from some other place? Whoa. So where we want to be at is that when we get pressed, the only thing that comes out is the love of Jesus Christ. So if you take orange juice and you squeeze it, and somehow apple juice comes from that, it's just weird. And the same should be weird, for same thing, perspective we should have when Christians get pressure and pressurized by our circumstances, by people. And if there's no love coming out, it's just weird. We as Christians, we should hope for those situations. We should like, hey, God, I want the pressure to be piled on me in that work situation. My boss is going to be so surprised when he sees, sees only love coming from me. I'm going to wait for that moment where everybody is nervous. Nobody knows what's happening. And then I'm going to be the person. And all the, th all, the only thing that's going to come out is love. And you know, after that meeting, people are going to start calling you. They're going to start engaging with you in conversation. Hey, um, you responded in that way. Where did that come from? 
and you're just going to point them towards Jesus. So it's the overflowing principle. You can only give what you've received from God. 1 John 4 verse 19 says, God loved us first and therefore we can love. Two, love the one in the mirror. You need to love the person that you see in the morning when you wake up. Not because we want to worship ourselves or we believe that we are the most amazing thing that has ever happened to this planet. No, because you know that your love that you'll have for people is directly correlated to the love that you have for yourself. Love thy neighbor as thyself. If you don't love yourself, you're going to struggle loving other people. I'm teaching my kids this already at a young age. I'm like, hey, that person that's not treating you well, they probably don't love themselves. They probably come from a difficult home where they don't receive love, and now they're doing things to get attention because they think that is love. So you need to love yourself. I'm standing here in front of you. I love myself. I'm not infatuated by myself. I'm not going to post every social media post about Armour Kennedy, how great Armour Kennedy is, and I need to stand with the president of the Bikers, Christian Bikers Association, and then the president of the Coffee Association in South Africa, and then the I'm not, that, I'm not into self-promotion, but I love myself. I love my nose. I, I, I love everything about me. It wasn't always like this, but I love myself. I think I'm awesome because I know who God is and what God has placed in me and the beauty and the value that God placed on me. And I know that I need to love myself else I cannot love other people. Because if you don't love yourself and you're going to be in a conversation, you're going to build a relationship with that person. And now you've built a relationship for six months with this person. And you're like, you're sending scriptures, you're praying for him, you're inviting him to a small group, and everything is happening. Wow, this person's now saved. And now six months down the line, he has a birthday, and you drive past Rock and Mama's, and then you see all your friends are invited except you. And then you're going to make it all about yourself because you don't love yourself. And you're going to think, well, I'm so offended. You're trying to love, but because you don't love yourself and you're not, in, you're not secure in who you are, you are offended by that friend that you're discipling that didn't invite you to a birthday party. It means you're immature. It means that you don't love yourself. It means that you're not whole. So if you love yourself and you're secure and you're whole, you can better love other people. So sort out your issues. Come to the freedom encounter. Come to the destiny encounter. It's so important. And then you don't have to fish for likes on Instagram or any of the social media platforms. And then you can just use it to, to preach to people and to love them and to tell them about who Jesus is. Number three, be what you want in the other person. So start being the good friend. Start being the marriage material. Some of you are waiting for somebody else to fulfill you. Not going to happen. It's impossible. Nobody can fill the Jesus void. My mother-in-law speaks about the liver Jesus hiking. It's only Jesus that can do that can fill the liver Jesus hiking. 
Only Jesus. But you somehow, and because we are wired relationally, we are built in the image of God, image of love. We need relationships. You need to be interdependent, not dependent, interdependent. You need other people. You cannot do this on your own. But somehow that gets corrupted by sin or by the devil, and you think that somebody else is going to fulfill you. Your wife cannot fulfill you. Cornell cannot fulfill me. My four kids cannot fulfill me. Our dog cannot fulfill me. My performance as a pastor cannot fulfill me. Only God can. So you need to become whole. You need to become the best friend. If people come to you and say, hey, I don't have friends, then you tell them, hey, but you be the best friend to somebody else. And if six months down the line, they don't invite you to their birthday party and you're offended by that, then you are not the good friend. You need to love people and not expecting anything back. That's what friends do. And I know there's a lot of talk in social media. Just go where you celebrate it, not where you tolerate it. That's not Christ-like. You go wherever Jesus sends you. I had to put my long nose into relationships a couple of times, and often I wouldn't celebrate it. It feels like people don't like me. They don't laugh at my jokes. They don't like anything. They like, don't like the fact that I'm a pastor. But God sent me there, and therefore I'm going to stay there. I'm not going to respond to the way the people treat me. I'm just going to go there. So be a good friend. Be a good spouse. And there's some of, of these, the single people in, in this room tonight, I think you guys are, make brilliant spouses and brilliant friends. So date people. Go and have coffee dates. It's so important. There's James over there. He is, he has a coffee shop. James, just raise your hand. Let me know. Okay. And he has a girlfriend. Woo! He has two coffee shops. Woo! And he helped us a little with this. Okay, so... We are going to, like Jesus, I'm not Jesus, so I can't force you to do something. Jesus said, I command you to love your neighbor. But I'm going to encourage you until you give in to start dating people and coffee dates. Just to have relationships with other people. To not look at the phone in front of you, but to look the person in the eye for at least 45 minutes. Okay, so we hid 20 coffee vouchers under chairs. Okay, so you can look under your chair. Now, who have you found a coffee voucher? Whoa, great. Okay, that's, okay, great. Okay, so this, I know you get, you get very excited. 
So you're going to take somebody out. You're going to take somebody out for a coffee at, at Millwicks. There's one at Geneva, Geneva, that shopping center there, and there's also one at Cornerstone. And for 45 minutes at least, you're going to look them in the eye, and you're going to speak to them. If you're under 30 and you're... If you're under no, if you're under 40 and you're single, you need to date somebody from the other six. Okay. You need to take somebody out and say, hey, I just want to be a friend. I'm gonna take you out for a coffee date. Can we do that? There's way too little dating going around. That's why it's so awkward. Now you see somebody, a couple in a coffee shop, and you're like, woohoo, they're vibing. No, they're just friends. Can we do that? Okay, Mishak, okay, you're going to send a photo on social media anyway for us. Tell that you've dated. And then you'll see at the back of the voucher, it says, don't be cheap, buy a cake too. I was thinking, I was thinking of making it, I was thinking of making it like two coffees voucher. But I thought by myself, what, what does it say now if the guy now invites the girl and he's like, hey, I'm not going to pay for this. I'm just handing in the voucher. Relationship, you also need to sacrifice. Okay, so buy cake. You better get us cake, James, at Geneva also. There were no cake the other day when we were there. <laughs> my wife and I, my wife and I went there just to check it out. It's a good spot. And one of our work for living students are actually um, the barista there, so it's brilliant. Great, so then the small toes principle is a principle my grandfather gave my dad. And the principle is this, that some people have such big toes, you can never not step on them. They so easily get offended. You need to be an easy person, easy to be with. So if somebody wants to go deep and they need you to come and pray for them because they're really ill or they went through some trauma or they almost got killed in a motor car accident, then you need to be that person, easy, easy to phone, easy to spend time with, and not easily offended. So 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 and 5 says the following, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And then it says, Verse 7, love bears all things, believes all things, hope, hopes all things, endures all things. So take verse 4 and 5 and just spend time in that and become love to the other, other person. Don't be easily offended. It's one of the biggest mistakes that people make in relationships. I'm offended. You didn't phone me on my birthday. I'm offended. You are wearing the same dress that I'm wearing here at this wedding. I'm offended. You talked for five minutes to the guy that I like. I'm offended. You didn't reply to my WhatsApp messages. I'm offended. You didn't reply to the podcast that I send you through WhatsApp. 15 minutes, voice notes. I'm that person that gives a lot of offense to other people because I don't reply to 10-minute podcasts on WhatsApp. Number five, not all friends are equal. Be, just be discerning about the people that you yoke with. Somebody said, 
If you show me your five best friends, then I'll show you your future. If, you, if your best friend doesn't love Jesus, or the person that you like, the person that you want to be in a romantic relationship with, and they don't love Jesus, you're going to get messed up. You're going to miss the point. So you're allowed to take those people for a coffee date, build friendships with them, but they cannot be your best friend. You can reach out to them. You can send the bikers to them, but they cannot be your best friend. It means that you are unequally yoked. It means your value system is so different that they will corrupt your good morals. And it's so important that we get this right. Think of Jesus. He spent a lot of time with sinners, which is great. So get yourself out there. But who are the people, who were the people that were his closest friends? The people that had the same value system. The people that said, hey, we want to follow God. So get that right. And girls, if you come to me or to Luke or to any of the leaders and you tell me, hey, I'm dating an unsaved guy, we're going to tell you, no, don't do it. And you're going to get offended with us. And then you're going to leave church for a while, and then you're going to come back hurting, full of pain, and then we're going to receive you with loving arms, and we're going to say, thank you, Jesus, for returning the prodigal daughter or the prodigal son. Don't do it. Great. Those people with the wisdom, you're going to come to the front now. Great. So I just asked a couple of people, like I said, five minutes before the service, and they're going to give us the best relationship advice they've received. Because we want to do friendships well. This church must be known for loving Jesus. People must be out there saying, hey, it's crazy. Don't go to show for they love Jesus too much. We want to be those people. And we already have that kind of reputation. I love that. Don't go to, it's so, it's crazy. They love Jesus. Your life's going to change, but it's going to be wild. And that's amazing. But also, we want to be those people that love well. You must be able to love the sinner well. You must be able to do good friendships. We must have inclusive friend circles where we allow more people and be like a taxi, always room for more. And we must do there we go, Keith. And then also, we must be people that pursue holiness and purity in romantic relationships. I want to marry more people telling me, hey, Amor, I kept myself pure. I'm a virgin. And both of us kept ourselves pure. We're still virgins. And we're giving this to Jesus. Because this is one of the most beautiful things that you can give to your spouse one day is purity. And if you stepped over the line, then God can heal you and he can restore you. And we've seen that. Even physically, he can restore your virginity. He has done this twice in our community. Okay, best marriage advice. Let's start with Christy. I love Christy. She's, she's a straight shooter. So if you want good advice, come to Christy. She's not going to beat around the bush. Okay, cool. On that note, um, the one rule about expectations in marriage is don't have any. 
Um, yeah, for me, I think it's it's important to there's two small words that that makes a big difference, and and they are akasiamer, um, goes a far way, and and I love you. Um, it's 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 got a lot of power, um, and then also keep your beard clean. Uh, no, <laughs> keep the food out of your beard and shower at least once a day. Uh, for me. <laughs> Almost here, fine. Okay. Uh, for me, yo, I thought that um, to focus more on what you have instead of what you do not have. Um, yeah, I think I am a perfectionist and I like things like this and I prepare very well so that everything will work out perfect. And then someone just told me, and I think about this quite often, that marriage or your wedding isn't the end goal, but it's the start of the journey. So it's okay to fight through the things and to go the harder clipper. Um, it's a process. And one day it will be perfect, but not yet, or not at the beginning. For me, um, I think it's... One thing I've read in a book from Danny Silk called Keep Your Love On. And that's the fact that you are a powerful person in a relationship. And you can keep your love on towards your partner regardless of what he or she does. Um, so for me, every, every relationship should have a goal. And if you don't have goals, it's like shooting at a target blindfolded maybe gonna hit every now and then um so goals that are so important is to fight for understanding and fight for connection and then the one thing that saved me taking so much offense or to take offense is the 90 10 principle so every time something comes up 90 percent of it is in your heart that you have to sort out and 10 percent is like something that the other person do. So that's a good one. Uh, um, I just realized that all of us have needs was because we are human. And um, I think we should just realize that our needs do not have a scent. So no person can smell when you have a need. Um, so when I have a need, when I need a hug, or when I, when I need love, or when I feel I need him to, I want him to ask me about my day or what, then I should get up, I should go to him, and I should voice my need. Because it's, he's never going to smell it on his own. <laughs> that's the first thing. So, so <laughs> that's, that's the first thing. And then the second thing. That's something I learned is that, um, yeah, I realized that since we've got married, I really want to love him and I want to accept him as he is. But I started experiencing so much judgment. Because um, um, he's, he's such a wonderful person, but what I see is, he is. <laughs> but I, I just started seeing all the things that he does wrong. And I was so like, I don't want to see it. I want to see the good things. Um, and I think that Lord just showed me, it's like, I just, I imagined it, it's like, um, you know that clipboard that when you go for your license, then the person evaluating you has a clipboard and he's ticking what you do wrong and what you do right. 
So I had the clipboard on him. But then the Lord told me I should go look at my own life, how I treat myself. Um, and I have, a, I have a constant clipboard for myself. What I do wrong, what I do right, this is the standard, you're doing this, you shouldn't do this. And I think I have to drop the clipboard with myself first. And then I would have more grace for him as well. If I start having grace for me and loving me, um, yeah, then it would become, then it becomes easier to have that for him. Yeah. I get me blank as long. Um, for me, it's, I think a relationship, it's not always about the good things. Um, it's also about the bad things as well. And, um, yeah, the struggles. And happy wife, happy life. Yes, um, f for me specifically, um, to change somebody, um, you know, again, that thing about the clipboard and seeing something, um, especially if you see the word and you're like, but this thing, this thing is wrong. Obviously, you can focus on yourself, but in your spouse. Um, and it's just very specifically that the Holy Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit's job is to bring change in your wife or yourself even. Um, is That's where the change comes from. Uh, and obviously the principle that uh, Alma just mentioned, which was so good, uh, regarding looking at you, you know, coming to God and that flowing from that relationship. And then interesting one that, I, that Andrew uh, Womack just mentioned, he said, um, we thought about murder, uh, but we never believed in, um, in, in, in divorce. So that's pretty interesting. Did you hear me? Did you listen? Did you really hear me? And then he cannot repeat what I said. So then I know, then I know. So be intentional in your marriage. Be intentional in the time you spend together. Put away your phone. Communicate as almost said. Be intentional in your time spent together. Be intentional with your words. Let your words be seeds that build your spouse up and not break them down. Okay, and that is just when you proclaim the word over, because the word is a seed that you proclaim over your children and over your spouse. <laughs> 